fingertips and words on my tongue so many verses i wish i would have sung but what if my secrets ruin today i pour another glass up to keep them at bay think you found me oh yeah then go find another go find another your hands sculpted me oh no i'm not like the others not like the others oh one of the hardest videos that I've had to do to basically stay impartial down the middle and just present the dots and connect them for you. But first, we must be honest with each other and with ourselves. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism, represented extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now I want to be very clear. Very clear up front, <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Hillary is now earnestly arguing for Trump supporters to submit to deprogramming. So MAGA extremists, MAGA extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. Asking why we were called racists and white supremacists and everything from that aspect has been very difficult for me to stay down the middle and figure that out. President Donald Trump's rise was fueled by voters fed up with the status quo. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. It's us and them, and he tapped into it. We can't continue to allow China to rape our country. He knows what needs to be done. Make America great again. And his rhetoric continues to polarize the country. President Trump using an ugly, vulgar expression that is racist. So I don't understand racist. What the sin is, what's good for us? Are we allowed to ask that question? Or is that racist? Build the wall. But it's something we need to ask ourselves and we need to know. Know your enemy and know yourself. And in hundreds of battles, you will never be in peril. That's from the art of war. And we're gonna have to know ourselves and our enemy. So all I ask is you just stay open-minded and just allow me to connect the dots so you understand our foe. Like the others, oh, one inside me, baby, is mine to discover, mine to discover, can't take that from me, give me a space to breathe. Thank you for me, oh yeah, thank you, go find another, go find another, your hands come
All right. I had to get uh, everything sent out there and uh, shared out to a couple different places. So I am uh, wearing one of my uh, famous shirts here. This was actually sponsored by one of my uh, followers. He sent me a link and said, hey, you got to get this shirt. You got to wear this shirt. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely getting that shirt 100%. All right. So like I said in the intro, this 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 video was one that um, I was going to do recorded, but I decided to go ahead and, and I'm, do it live. It is definitely was a difficult uh, rabbit hole to dive down, um, to stay focused and not get emotionally charged and just connect the dots was was very difficult. Um, and but I did it. So all I ask is that you you just open your mind and listen to what I'm describing. I'm not leaning either way. I'm not saying anything. I just want to present the information and let you make the decision that you guys want to make. So basically how this all came about was I kept hearing the fact that since, Hey, I'm a middle-aged white guy. Um, I'm racist. I'm a white supremacist. I, you know, if you're conservative, you're, you're, you know, you're you're a bad person, you're you're a fascist, racist, all those terms, right? And it just seemed like everybody was on the same page. Now, eventually, obviously, you become on the same page because once the top people stop, start saying that and spewing it out there, it, it, everybody just starts to regurgitate those terms. But everybody just kept saying that from the top down, and I needed to know why. Where were the talking points, and where did that come from, and why are they saying this? Like, what is going on here? Now, just so everybody kind of knows a little bit about me, I am, uh, like I said, I've been logistics over 20 years, you know, uh, logistic analysis. I've done stuff with Epoch Times and Freight uh, Waves, and, and I was ex-Coast Guard uh, where I did law enforcement in the Coast Guard. But one of the things that I really um, have taken over 20 years of my life trying to learn, trying to understand is like psychology and human behavior. And a quick background in regards to that is my wife has been committed before we kind of got together. She'd been committed six times with multiple suicide attempts. Uh, she was a full-blown alcoholic at the age of 16. And she, a big part of that was the fact that uh, she has anxiety, agoraphobia, claustrophobia. Yeah. So it, there's a bunch of different aspects to her life that it was highly important for me to be able to sense things and know her behavior and, and observe what's going on with her before it got to the point uh, of something happening. So that and being in sales for a long period of time also helps with, you know, human behavior and things like that. But for me, taking the courses and understanding that was a big factor. And now, I mean, we've been together Oh, geez, 24-7, 365 for about 20 years. Um, so, you know, at, at this point, I know she says I know her better than she knows her. But that aspect of understanding and really observing thing is something that I do well. So what I wanted to do is basically say, okay, where is this coming from and where, where why is this being shouted out from the rooftops in regards to anybody that supports MAGA, anybody that supports Trump, anybody that supports any of this, what what's the reasoning behind it now a lot of people aren't going to care they're just gonna be like well i don't want to listen i don't want to know nothing I, you know let it go but the issue is is that this is very important that you at least know what your foe is putting out there so that you completely understand what's actually going on 
right? And, and we do this all the time that we basically put it out there and we just regurgitate things and we have no idea where they even came from. So this kind of a long line I'm going to go through. And like I said, I want to, I'll probably do a recorded video on this. I'm not sure, but either way here, I'm going to kind of take you through the dots and where some of this came from and why I believe uh, that they're spewing these talking points. Now, let's go ahead and let me pull this down here. Let me shuffle this over here so I can see what's going on. And I'll do this first. So basically where this kind of seems to have started or the point that I've kind of grasped this with the MAGA movement and the fact that with Trump is the fact that during the elections of 2016, most of the stuff that was being said was the fact that he was an extremist, Nazi, white supremacist. So let me drop down my screen. So, and I'm going to shrink me down here so we can get out of the way. Now, I'm going to start this with George Wallace in the 1960s. And we'll go all the way up to basically today. But so George Wallace in the 1950s ran for governor of Alabama. He was a, ran on normal routines, his normal political platforms, you know, better schools, better jobs, better wages, lower taxes, the, the main talking points in regards to what politicians used to talk about. Um, and his opponent started to throw out in regard, uh, race and things like that, and George Wallace lost. So what George Wallace learned from that was he said, this, this, that's never going to happen again. So what he started to focus on was during the 1960s was obviously segregation, civil rights movement, and stuff was happening back then. And he realized that if you wanted to start to get people to truly um, get their emotions involved, you had to talk about emotional talking points, not just the standard politician talking points. So at that point, now I can't say if he was truly a racist or he just used it for his benefit at that time, but what he started to talk about was segregation, um, not allowing you know, blacks to go to school and things like that. I mean, he, he stood in front of a school uh, doorway for the sole purpose of stopping them from going into school. Some of his speeches were segregation, 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 right? So a lot of that aspect fell into his campaign when governor of Alabama, and then when he made a presidential run for, um, for, for the president, basically, for presidency. Now, I understand what you're saying right now. Oh, this is Wikipedia. No, I use Wikipedia because it's a, it's a, a good spot for information for me to pull out and then use to deep dive and, and basically, you know, crowdsource other stuff that I can pull other articles and other information. So what he basically figured out because, you know, he could... He was a good politician, and he realized that, look, if I can get the points that the people were most upset about at the time, I could get a lot of people to, be, to sway my way towards the vote. So what he basically did was says, okay, the changes that America was going through in the 1960s was civil rights, right, and race and things like and that was basically the huge talking points of the time. Well, he used the frustration and of, that, of those times to basically 
energize his crowd and his people in regards to voting him back in, basically for or voting him to be president. That was the aspect of his political platform. Okay? Now, when he did that, he had certain groups basically then start to follow him. Now, some of the stuff that he basically a uh, politician on one, one was law and order. Law and order, right? And we heard this from Trump also. Law and order was a big platform that he also jumped into and said, we need law and order. And I'm going to pull this clip. This is, an actual, this is a clip from uh, Face of the Nation back in 1968. And I'm just going to play this real quick. Yep, it sounds up. And even if I did not win, yes. we would be in no worse position than we would have been had I not run. So we have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Okay, Governor, let's ask another hypothetical question again based on the premise that if you were to win to the presidency, what would you do about riots? What would I do about riots? The first thing that I would say as a president is I give my moral support to the police and firemen in this country. And the first thing I would do if uh, a continuation of the breakdown of law and order exists in the District of Columbia, where we are talking today, where just today pictures of people murdered uh, in the streets, I would uh, use the office of the presidency in view of the fact that this is a district to restore order in the di District of Columbia. Uh, if I had to call federal troops into this city, and I would give my moral support to the police in the country. I would ask the Congress to uh, pass legislation that uh, did away with decisions of the courts that handcuffed the police. And I would just say, we're going to have law and order. And when I said that, and my election uh, would indicate to people in the large, the, the, the politicians and leaders of the large cities of our country especially, that the people of our country are sick and tired of the breakdown of law and order, and they in turn then, in my judgment, would tell the police enforce the law. And in my you, judgment, an enforcement of the law would bring about a restoration of law and order in this country without the expenditure of billions of dollars as proposed by some of the social engineers. You were, you were quoted as having observed once that the people know the way to stop a riot is to hit someone on the head. Yes, sir. I, I, I've said uh, something similar to that. When somebody goes out and begins to loot and burn a building down, which endangers the health and safety of everybody, that's a good way to stop it. Uh, if you let the police know, uh, let the police knock somebody in the head who was breaking a plate glass window, or who was assaulting a policeman, who was assaulting a, uh, a person on the street, or throwing a firebomb, I think they'd be getting out mighty light. If now, so basically, a lot of his stuff was speaking to the common man, speaking to the piece that, look, we need law and order. Uh, we need to reach out and basically say, look, this needs to be under control. And that was a lot of the platform he was running at the time because you did have riots, you did have this stuff happening, and the people wanted solutions to that, and they wanted someone to step up and be a part of those solutions. So with him running, he, they came out with the uh, Youth for Wallace, and part of the Youth with Wallace was basically put together by what was called the Liberty Lobby. Okay, now the Liberty Lobby was a far right think tank. Okay, it was I, I have articles and stuff that was said, and the people that ran it. It was a Nazi, um, far right, white supremacist think tank that had basically money, and they put together, you know, seminars and and um, things like that to basically push 
Wallace in his campaign for presidency. Now, these were not, um, these were basically extremist people. This was 100% Nazi people that basically said, hey, um, they started to support Wallace because Wallace fell down this path of using racism and using this stuff to promote his campaign. One of the things that the uh, Liberty Lobby put together was the National Youth Alliance, the National Youth Alliance. Uh, they were a right-wing political group founded by Willis Carto, which is the, the one who founded the Liberty Lobby. It's hard to say. Um, who basically went on college campuses, uh, went out, you know, doing whatever they could do to push Wallace. Now, the way they sold it was, is they were going out to handle communism and socialism and far-left groups. They were going out to fight against far-left um, communism, socialism, anything, that, uh, government, and anything like that. That's what they, at the time, were selling themselves as. So they also went up against things like uh, the Students for Democratic Society, um, which was a, a left-leaning group. They would basically, you know, go against them. But basically, the National News Alliance was a right-wing political organization founded in November 15, 1968 at the Army and Navy Club and by Willis Carto, head of a right-wing liberty lobby. The aim of the group was to recruit students by counter- liberal and Marxist groups on college campuses like Students for Democrat, which is the one I just showed you here. All right. Uh, the NYA emerged from earlier group connected to Willis Carto, known as the Youth for Wallace, which had supported segregation governor George Wallace bid for president as American Independent Party candidate in 1968. So these guys went out for the youth for Wallace to basically go out, campaign him, and push him for president. Well, during this, the problem that happened and the reasoning why I believe that they're pushing this extremist MAGA situation is Wallace was shot. And after he was shot, he basically eventually changed and said that his ways that he was doing this was bad and, and that he shouldn't have been going against, you know, uh, calling out the racism and the segregation and all that. He basically changed his mind in regards to the way he was, his political platform and things like that. But the issue was, is they didn't. The groups didn't. And this is kind of what I want to explain in regards to what happened to the groups when the leader went away. What happened to the cults when the leader decided he wasn't going to do that? And that is where I see being used in regards to uh, MAGA and what they're saying. All right, so let me do this real quick, and I'm going to jump into explaining this whole thing better. This is why I like doing edited videos better because I can put it all together. All right, let me click this. So one of the things that I showed in my video was, if I can get my mouse to work, 
Let me close my mail up. All right. One of the things I could get it was this. This is one of the hardest videos nope. I've had. Was this one right here. I'm going to play this one. All right. So let me play this. To submit to deprogramming. <laughs> Those mega extremists um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? Now, right there, it, what I hear when I listen to this stuff, I don't just listen to what they're saying, but I listen to how they're saying it. And the statement that she just said was not when do they break with him. It's when do they break with him, meaning like they broke with someone else. And I believe what she means is that she's been informed by FBI and, terror, you know, and um, profiling and stuff like that in regards to terrorist groups, right-wing groups and things like that, that that's what happened with Wallace. Once they broke with, from, away from Wallace is when the groups got to the point that they ended up blowing up buildings, okay? And I think that right there is what she means. When do they break means. with him? You know, like, when do they break with civil him? Civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? The way that she says, and when do they break with him? Not, and when do they break with him? She emphasized him as in somebody breaking with someone else. All right, so let's start the party here. We all, basically, there is, in regards to the FBI, we all have to understand that there, like it or not, there are right-wing domestic terrorist groups within the United States. Uh, we can't say there's not. You know, we, we know that there is, okay? So the FBI, this is pulled from a Freedom of Information Act 1983. Some of the events that basically you know, took place over, over the year of three, different bombings and things like that. So that's a fact. We know that. Now, putting MAGA into that, I'll explain what I believed happened as we go. So this is something that the FBI has done for long periods of time, uh, monitored groups like this to make sure that, you know, what they're doing and, and if they're doing any bombings, if they're doing attempting bombings right here, you have a different, you have the Omega-7, you have the Revolutionary Fighting Group, you have the Sheriff's Posse Katamatis. Um, this one here basically became, has the same beliefs as a sovereign citizen. Uh, so back in 1983, the same sovereign citizens that we, you know, we hear about today was known as the Sheriff's Posse Katamatis. Um, and there's other ones here, obviously, the Freedom, uh, United Freedom Front, Let's see, armed resistance. This was basically something that we understand that the FBI obviously tracks, right? Everybody's like, oh, FBI's all bad. And I understand nobody likes the FBI, and that's fine, but some of the stuff that the FBI does and some people in the FBI aren't all bad, okay? We, it, you just, there are good people in, within the FBI, right? Now, uh, this is the same thing from 1984, just kind of showing that every year they kind of put out information regards to uh, domestic terrorist groups and things like that. Uh, so right at the thing here says, in order to give a more clear picture of the trends of the dimensions of terrorism pr problem in the United States, this year's report includes, for the first time, a section on terrorist-related activities. 
These are criminal acts committed either in supporting of or as a result of terrorism, by which means are not intended to intimidate or coerce in furtherance of a political or social objectives. So, and then they kind of give an example. A bank robber commits a crime for the money to get, for financing to support a terrorist, terrorist group. So, and what I'm kind of showing here is that their job is to kind of profile different groups and, and use the past and what we've seen of the past to hopefully predict what might happen in the future and be a part of preventing that, right? You, you want them to go and learn from whatever they've learned in the past and basically say, okay, use that information to go forward and, and try to prevent it from happening again. And, and that's what a profile does. That's what an FBI profiler does. They study, you know, killers or something that have killed before, and they try to put together to form a better picture of who they're looking for, what they're looking for, and what triggers could basically cause this to happen. All right. All right, so let me open up this. This is all the way up into 2006, um, where, let me go like this. This is the same, like I said, same type of report that they handed off, in, but this one is 2006. So here, pre-indicted indicators of terrorist incidents. So they're kind of trying to get a behavioral, geographic, and temporal patterns for predicting conduct, right? So this is some of the stuff that, like I said, they're trying to do in law enforcement to predict future events that could happen. Uh, to accomplish these goals, subject matter experts were selected to identify terrorist groups, incidents that operate or occur within the United States. Four major categories, international, three types of domestic, left-wing, right-wing, single issue. Single issue would be stuff like um, ALF, uh, um, animal rights activists, things like that. So they say there was 67 cases were selected. One of these 67, all right, 67 cases were significantly, all right, here it is. These included 22 right-wing, nine left-wing, 10 international, and 17. 22 right-wing domestic terrorism cells were basically being monitored. They were being watched. They were trying to figure out how this basically, um, they could try to predict future events. And this was 2006, and I'll explain why they basically had to figure this out in a little bit. Now, this is 540 pages long, but I just kind of wanted to show you that it is being used you know, by the FBI to hopefully predict the future and make it where uh, events are caught before they get worse. All right. So we'll come back to that one. We're going to go with this one. So one of the things, like I said, happened with the Wallace was the fact that once he changed the groups in which he wanted to change, and I pulled, I'm pulling these articles. Uh, this is Alabama uh, Journal, and I have access to um, old newspaper articles through, it's like Ancestry.com, but instead of using Ancestry, I actually pull just newspapers. So there's like, you know, a zillion newspapers from different years I can pull information from. So this was basically what happened with Wallace after it stopped. So... George Wallace, the ex-governor of Alabama and ex-candidate for president, doesn't know about it, but his former youth organization has turned into a budding Hitler movement. It happened almost without anyone knowing about it, 
and the way things happen where Nazis are concerned. The founders of the Youth for Wallace had every intention of keeping the organization intact under a new name, National Youth Alliance. However, they made a mistake of getting uh, obligated financially to Willis Carto, founder of the Liberty Lobby and mastermind of the new neo-Nazi movement of the United States. So what they basically did was they said, look, the group that you were using to fight communism, to fight socialism, to fight against government tyranny, once you stopped doing, once you were shot and stopped basically being the, uh, the way you were going, they moved on. They had no reasoning to stop doing what they were looking to do. And what they were looking to do was to continue on with the extremist neo-Nazi white suppressive uh, movement. So they did. And this was done, and he didn't even know. And it, I heard, and I'm going to bring up a couple topics. I listened to um, Chris Paul. Chris Paul from I'm Your Moderator. And this will probably get back to him, and that's fine. Um, but Chris Paul from I'm Your Moderator, I listened to his couple of his podcasts um, after I did this all this research, and I'll explain that. But a lot of the stuff that he was saying was they would say that Trump was your cult leader and you have to do what Trump is saying. But it's at a point now where Trump is no longer the leader. The movement of MAGA and the movement of some of the people in MAGA, not all of them, that's the big key, but it doesn't have to be all of them, has gone past its leader. And that's exactly what happened with Wallace. The actual movement of some of the individuals in the group have... They went past Wallace. They continue on with the Liberty Lobby, and we're going to talk a little bit about them, and they continue on with the National Youth Alliance, who were 100% this neo-Nazis. So as the FBI starts to use references to look at um, the groups of today and how things are panning off today, you can see where... A lot of times you hear people say, hey, history repeats itself. Well, there's also another saying out there that history might not repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And we have a lot of rhyming here. There's a lot of different events that are taking place. So from the eyes of a law enforcement officer who tries to, would want to stay ahead of this, you're going to look at what you can find in the past and, and see what's in the past to help you guide you what could possibly happen in the future. And that's kind of what we have going on here. So I'm going to walk you through some of the stuff because you might be shocked on how much this rhymes. Okay. Now, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm just presenting the information. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm just here to show you if you want to make sure that you to get out in front of people, to get out in front of them and say, hey, this isn't me. I know where you're going with this, but this isn't me. You can at least tell them, this. I, I know where you're going with this, and you're wrong, okay? Because if you don't, and you don't have the knowledge to be able to do that, you will be grouped into these groups. All right, uh, so the takeover of the Walsh Youth Movement was clinched as a regional NYA leadership conference on the 25th, January 25th. So this is basically an article that says, look, 
Um, even though he's stopped, we're not stopping. We're going to keep moving on. You know, hate to say it, but you're out. We're in. All right, let me pull this one. So a lot of the other movements that took place in regards to what they would put was, I'm going to pull two of these, and I'm going to blow this, these up. There we go. Now, the group has met now morphed into something more, uh, something that they always contended to do. So I basically pulled this again from Freedom of Information Act. So this is something that they would put out in regards to what the National Youth Alliance was, okay? Now, the FBI had uh, people inside and, you know, giving information in regards to this to try to see where this was going to go. And it gets very, very bad. Trust me. So right here, the editor-in-chief is this William Pierce, Ph.D., and we're, you're going to want to remember him because... This is where it goes kind of downhill. Uh, but this is one of the stuff, uh, flyers or memos that was handed out to somebody who was interested in probably showing up at one of the, at the meetings and things like that. Dear American, the accompanying material which you requested or which was requested for you by a friend will serve as an introduction to the National Youth Alliance. As a reader of this material, I believe you have seen how the NYA differs from other anti-communist and pro-American groups. The difference lies in the fact that the NYA does not rely, uh, it's cut, that word's cut off, effectiveness upon having its members read the NIA publications and write their, to their congressmen. Instead, the NYA has action programs for organizing young Americans into a militia, militant force for building a better America. In the NYA, this emphasized on a timeless organizing, constant involvement in key issues, and direct action. The NYA is the one American youth organization which is effectively opposing the tide of drugs, treason, nephilism sweeping over many young people today. There are two ways in which you may participate in the NOA's action program, either by active member, under 30, associate member, 30 or over, uh, the official supporter by pledging your regularly monthly contributions, money, uh, to support the NYA's activities. Sponsorship or membership is not mutually exclusive, of course. Many NYA members also pledge their regular support. On the other hand, if you... You may be one of those persons who agrees with the NYA program but is hesitant about joining anything at first glance. If so, use the accompanying reply card to send a contribution with which will allow us to mail you our action newsletter. The name of the action newsletter, which is like their paper, is called Attacks. The name of the newspaper in which they put out there is called attacks. And other NYU publications for the six months, five bucks, and for one year, $10. Uh, in any event, you may be sure that whatever contributions you may be able to make to the NYU's efforts will be put to work immediately in the struggle for a better America. Now, again, Remember, when, when they're looking at, when FBI and, and terrorists and profilers and stuff are looking at things, they're looking at what they can use of the past. 
to basically see what is going on, could possibly happen in the future. Now, I am not, again, I'm not agreeing with this. I'm not, not agreeing with this. I'm just presenting you the dots that connect um, in regards to why they would, be, would have been briefed in regards to the possibilities of dangers with this. All right. Uh, this is some of the stuff that is in the, uh, the newsletter that was called Attacks. In the summer of 1971, number six issue of Attacks carried on that editorial page four captioned Why Revolution. This editorial states in part as follows. It is no longer possible to cure the system, the system being government, to bring Frankenstein's monster to heal by constitutional methods. We do not need to reason with the monsters. We need to put a bullet into the brains and the hammer a strike through its heart. If that means blood and chaos and battling the alien enemy from the house to house in burning cities throughout our land, then by God, it is better that we get on with it than now than later. If the responsive citizens have no stomach for it, then the task must fall on our radicalized youth. And it is the responsibility of the National Youth Alliance to take the lead position in coming to revolution developments so that young Americans can build a revolution for America and for our people instead of serving as pawns in the alien-controlled, anti-American, anti-white revolution of the Marxists. Now, this was basically something that was written in their paper. Now, a lot of the beliefs that the Liberty Lobby had were beliefs that, is this the same one? Okay. Um, that are still echoing today. So the Liberty Lobby followers were called patriots. They were known to be patriots of the organization. Uh, the term patriots is used both within the Liberty Lobby and the National Youth Alliance. Now, I understand patriots also means other things, but it was a focal point to what they were calling themselves was patriots. A lot of the things that they believed um, also coincided with, and I'm going to cover that, sovereign citizens and the stuff that was also out there in other terrorist groups. Now, this morphs into something a lot bigger, a lot more recognizable that a lot of you will remember. Um, and we're going we're, to get to that. But you kind of have to understand the buildup in regards to where, when people are talking about it now, hey, we're patriots. We're, we're patriots. We're the patriot groups. We're patriots against tyranny. We're patriots against the government. We're patriots against this. Those are exact terms and exact terminology that was being used by the Liberty Lobby and by the National Youth Alliance, which were white supremacist groups. Okay? So this was from another of, uh, of attack, another publication of the attack newsletter. And this is issue seven. Uh, issue of attack included an editorial entitled, What We Must Do Now, which advocates revolutionary actions by right-wing forces in America. Revolutionary actions, according to this editorial, is sabotaging the means by which the system rules. Again, the system that they call for is, is technically government. Killing the creatures who, comp who 
comprise the system and those who collaborate with the system, and waging real warfare against the system using whatever means are most effective in weakening, in crippling, in ultimately destroying the system. This editorial is further quoted in part as follows. We must think in terms of assassinating federal judges. Now, I want you to think about some of the stuff you hear out of some of the people that are out there. Uh, I don't, I'll put names out, the Phil Godlewskis, um, and, and, and that type of stuff that basically are saying that, you know, and, and the Derek Johnsons and, and the people that are saying that there's, you know, trials going on in Guantanamo Bay and there's things like that and everybody's being hung and, and this person's gone and this person's a, a clone and this person's that, okay? Because I, I am not kidding you. They, they literally, in one of their articles, in one of their papers, they literally called and set for the same thing to happen, to have military tribunals, this is back in 1970s, have military tribunals, in, it wasn't in Guantanamo, just military-style tribunals, to basically hang people for treason. Or, if you were black, or if you were a, in any way in a relationship with somebody who was black. You all hung. And we're going to get even worse about this. Okay. Uh, federal judges of burning the stores of businesses, businessmen who are act as if they are most interested in what's good for business than what's good for white America. Uh, for dynamiting the TV transmitters and newspaper presses of the alien news manipulators. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> of harshly pushing whites and males or females who fraternize sexually with non-whites, uh, of putting the fear of terrible retribution into every treacherous politician and system-serving editor, advertiser, I'm sorry, yeah, advertiser, bureaucrat, or other public person. Okay? Now, this right here was Chris Paul's thing. Now, Chris Paul put out this uh, a podcast, and, and I've never talked to Chris Paul, and, and he's welcome to, I'll go on a show, whatever you want. I have no problem you know, going explaining my point of view and, and hearing his point of view. But when some of the people out there, once I listened to the actual message and the way it was being said, now we all have freedom of speech, and I fully understand freedom of speech, 100%, right? And I fully understand that we need freedom of speech. But freedom of speech is a great power. It is a very powerful weapon. And with power comes great responsibility, right? So having the ability to be responsible with that power is, is something that you should all is also required. Now we don't have that. You just hope that the people have the ability to have responsibility with the power of freedom of, you know, you want responsible gun owners. Maybe we should start to say we want responsible people who are uh, accounting for their freedom of speech and freedom of press, but we don't, right? We only, we only say responsible gun owners, right? But when you say something that says it's open season for rhino tracking, who do you think you're going to get with that title? Who do you think is going to come in and listen and feed off of that? Now, 
it's funny because people will start to do this and say, well, you know that's not what I meant. You know it wasn't a call. You know it wasn't anything to do with that. Well, guess what? The Liberty Lobby did the same thing. We're going to talk about that. So this is the type of stuff that I'm just saying the rhyme, the rhyme of this is very familiar. All right. Let me close this one. I should have put these in order. That's why sometimes it's easier for me to do. All right. Is this... All right, let me pull this one down. All right, this is another Freedom of Information Act regards to the uh, National Youth Alliance. On October 19th, I'm sorry, on January 20th, 1972, confident informant advised that the objectives of the program of the NYA continued to be those of which originated, originally published in a pamphlet entitled What is the NYA? The informant furnished a copy of the pamphlet and the objectives of the program. Now, remember... Originally, they were behind the, uh, somebody running for president who was shot, who basically changed his mind on how he wanted to continue on as a person. George Wallace went on to be beneficial um, to um, African-Americans and things like that. And he even it was an African-American uh, home queen that he even put the crown on. He changed and became um, an advocate for them and, and said he was wrong to do that. But... The following that followed him down that path and was started with that path did not. Uh, the National Youth Alliance has an objective, have objective, the protection and of great, hang on, something I hate reading out loud, and prep, well, whatever, of the great traditional values of Western civilization. The NYA is working with young people to establish American life in a new order of things based on natural laws to create a healthy cultural and racial approach to politicals reflecting an understanding of authority, discipline, duty, and honor, and achieve an organic society which will purify the Western world of the ingredients of communism, liberalism, and manifestations of culture disorder. So basically what they're saying is, look, we got to get rid of communism. We got to get rid of liberalism. We got to get rid of all this stuff. And we should probably get rid of blacks. Okay. This is basically the stuff that they're putting out there. Now, some of their stuff as they opposed was they didn't want drugs or narcotics uh, on campuses, um, which, okay. I mean, I could see that back then. Now it's different now, but they pledged to naturalize and overcome black power and particularly the unjust demands made upon the education community. Uh, oppose the SDS, which I, that's a socialist group I told you about, and other anarchy groups which destroy America, and uh, oppose U.S. intervention in foreign wars as no-win war in Vietnam and Zionist war in the Middle East. They were also against war, and we hear that now, right? I mean, nobody wants to go against war, but unfortunately, sometimes it, ha it happens. It has to happen. It's unfortunate, but it's just a path that gets followed. And this is basically what they were doing and what this belief was. Now, some of the other stuff that was put out there in flyers and in regards to this um, newspaper called Attack was they showed you how to turn drywall into a firebomb, basically. How to make the drywall go up that it would become a fire trap where basically nobody would be able to get out of the building. 
they would, and they gave in, instructions basically how to do this. So this was not something that they weren't prepared to take to the next level in regards to doing things. Now, was it a small group? Well, it's not. Um, the Liberty Lobby is a conservative pressure group that has grown in a decade from $10,000 a year hole-in-the-wall operation to a professionally staffed eight hundred to 850000 politician machine. That's money. And that's back in 1971. Okay, 1971, it grew from $10,000 a year to $850,000 a year, basically, newspaper that they were putting out, that they were running. And the amount of followers that they have grew enormously. Now, <laughs> some of the stuff that they um, believe... This was an article that I pulled from uh, 1974. And this kind of started out, he basically, and I'll kind of give the gist of the beginning. Um, he goes into a laboratory, into the, uh, uh, a bathroom in, let me see, I'll read it. Uh, the first time the Liberty Lobby came to my attention was in the Capitol Hill bathroom where inside the wall stalls there was a ballpoint pen scrolled that said, go Liberty, Liberty Lobby, crush the rock. So at the time, he's like, I don't know what this means. This is probably some sport thing. No big deal. Then he got started to get some literature from the Liberty Lobby. The Liberty Lobby is a registered lobby organization of right-wing personas. Right now, it is doing everything within its power to prevent a confirmation of the Nelson Rockefeller as VP. The Liberty Lobby Rock, Rocky is the personification of the left-wing menace. He is an international socialist masquerading as a capitalist, they say. The organization could so many, so many bad things as at Rocky that it has printed a special tabloid paper called the Rockefeller Record to list them all. So he basically goes through this, and he... <laughs> Some of the stuff that I want people to realize, remember now, these guys were 100% racist, okay? Neo-Nazis. They point out, so, all right. They point out, after the 1971 Bilderberg meeting in Lawrence Rockefeller's hotel in Woodstock, Vermont, the Bilderberg floated currency theory became international policy and put an end to financial independence of the United States. I guess we went bankrupt then. They also claim that there is more than conceded that after the 1971 meeting attended for the first time that the Russians and mainland China, the Nixing, Nixinger policy of the Dante came into full bloom. Uh, being from... Being firm believers in the conspiracy theory history, the Liberty Lobby figures that the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Waldenbergs, and other billionaire international financiers or their proxies are actually softening up the world for communist takeover at the Bilderberg meetings. The Bilderberg meetings are set up by Prince Bernard of the Netherlands. The first meeting was at the Bilderberg Hotel in Ausbeek, Holland, Shortly after World War II, the Liberty Lobby hints at a 
oil interest link between the Dutch royal family and the Rockefellers because Queen Julian, the world's richest woman, is the largest stockholder of the Royal Dutch Shell Oil Company. Uh, These super rich persons, among them the DuPonts, would be considered moderate. Uh, control the world, leaders like Secretary of State Kissinger and assorted senators, prime ministers, and heads of state, says Liberty Lobby. Liberty Lobby. God, that's rough. Um, the goals of the Bilderberg, now i got to say that one too, Bilderberg conspirators, they say it is a one-world government in which nations will lose their sovereignty, leaving the super-rich as sovereigns and the rest of us as slaves. Uh, this is, I guess, where if our name is in a... Capital letters were, I don't know, were a boat or a corporation or something. I don't know. The Liberty Lobby asks why, if the Bilbergs are not involved in sinister conspiracies, do they seal themselves off the press and in their posh conclaves? Well, he, he the writer admits, yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, the Liberty Lobby is regularly called extremists. Paranoid, fascist, anti-sentiment. But its members seem not to care much as their minds are made up that the world is going to hell in the Rockefeller coattails and that they're trying to spread the world. Just in case you didn't listen, the Liberty Lobby is preparing its believers for Armageddon and they fear that Rocky's ascendance will accelerate. They suspect paper money isn't going to be good much longer. So in the November 1974 issue, Liberty Letter, they offer a year-end special silver coin, and dehydrated survival food. Now, uh, the coins in which they advertise the medallions are called silver eagles, and they look a lot like silver dollars, except that the likeness of George Washington is being carried uh, facing. So even then, uh, it goes on to basically say, look, um, it, there is, this is the weird part. The coins are contain one troy ounce of pure silver and sell for 880 plus 20 cents shipping if you're on the board members or 70 cents shipping for the likes of you and me stanley renhouse of the liberty lobby's washington legislative aid readily admits that the silver eagles are meant to be used for money should the u.s tre- treasury paper become worthless i hear that today I'm still hearing that today, from 19, and it's from 1974. Any day now, any day now, it's going to do this. It's any day now. Those are still the stuff that's being said today. There's an interesting little side deal, something called a Liberty Trust. Now, I think I've heard about this, that guarantees all holders of the Silver Eagles to redeem them for eight for six fifty each. You figured it out yet? That would cost a non-Liberty Lobby member 950 to buy 100 Silver Eagles. If the best deal on selling them was redeeming them through the Liberty Trust, you take a 31% loss and the Liberty Trust would make 26%, 26.1%. Hey, I guess that's capitalism, right? They're, they're definitely capitalists. This is the stuff that's still being put out there today. They, they go into the pricing of the survival food is advertised as uh, probably as good as an investment as gold and silver at the time continuing inflation and growing shortages. Now, this is 70s, so there was inf- inflation uh, during the 70s. Matter of fact, that the Fed, uh, we had stagflation and the Feds basically raised insurance rates to 20% to basically shut it down. Uh, and that was during the 1970s. Now, 
you kind of get the gist of that. And where I want to go from this is basically the next, the next step on where this gets extremely bad. Now, the guy that we talked about, the Lawrence Pierce guy that I said, remember him? And he was a part of the Liberty Lobby, and then he became the leader. He, the Liberty Lobby broke away from the National um, Alliance. Uh, they got into a disagreement in regards to memberships, allegedly, and, and stealing mail, um, e uh, not email, stealing regular addresses, mailing addresses, and that turned into a, a disagreement. So... One of the things in 1978 that was written was something called the Turner Diaries. Now, the Turner Diaries is where this gets to be a little, a little extreme, and, and this is where the problem lies. So the Turner Diaries was written as somebody writing a diary, but it was a story, and it was written by Pierce under a pseudo name. Now, what had happened in the Turner Diaries was the government came out and passed a law called the Cohen Act. This is not real. The Cohen Act was private citizens were not allowed to own firearms. So you had to turn in your guns. And then what they did is they went out into uh, African-American neighborhoods and basically hired them to be deputized to go out and take the guns from anybody that didn't turn the guns in. Okay. So people were hiding guns, and the story starts out with his home is raided. They start pounding on the door, and he's got a weapon hidden in a door panel, um, thinking they're not going to find it. And, but he basically you know, bought this gun, so there was a gun registry, and they knew that it is, and it didn't get turned in, and I guess he didn't tell them that he lost it in a boating accident like the rest of us. But basically they went storming in with baseball bats and you know, destroyed his place looking for the weapon. Well, they eventually came in with some type of electronic device that was able to sense metal, and they found the weapon, and they, locked, they went to lock him up. But they knew so many people were getting locked up that it was just they were going to let him go on his own recognizance and, and just let him go. This turns into the Patriots, the Patriots forming together to form militias to go against the government. Now, what is some of the stuff they do in the book? Let me tell you. Some of the stuff that they do in the book is, let me see, I think I pulled some up. Well, one of the things they do is um, storm the Capitol. They storm the Capitol and start basically mortar strikes on the Capitol. Um, this is a, a chapter from the book. Again, this is the Turner Diaries. I found it online. Um, I would not suggest buying it. But, you know, you can at least know what the... Now, remember, this was written by the leader of the National Youth Alliance, which then became the National Alliance, which was at one time a part of the Liberty Lobby, which came, which was started to help benefit a presidential campaign, a presidential run for an outspoken, loud, law and order style president that they hoped would make it that was then shot, who changed his mind and no longer wanted to be a race, a run on, on a platform of racism and segregation and stuff like that. So one of the things they do is storm the Capitol. 
They eventually, you know, through these things, they're building militias. The Patriots are part of what they, you know, the organization. Um, and even the Capitol surrounds the building with 3,000 to 5,000 secret police and armed un-uniformed soldiers. Jeeps mounted with machine guns were everywhere. And there were two tanks and several APCs. Uh, members of the press and Congress staffers had passes, three separate rings of barricades and wire, barbed wire at each of which they were searched for weapons. And they're explaining how basically to try to get into a Capitol during a important meeting. Now, the important meeting is basically creating a passport for everybody to kind of have, right? And, and you'll be, instead of a driver's license, everybody would have to have this passport, well, they went out and broke the machine, so they hoped that that would change the fact that they wouldn't have to have this passport. So during an important meeting that Congress had to show up and go to the Capitol building, they go ahead and they attack the Capitol building. Some of the other things that they did, um, they had what they called the Day of Rope. And the Day of Rope is when they went around hanging um, African, basically blacks and, and, and anybody that were sympathizers, well, sympathizers, um, or in relationships and, and, or any non-white people, you were killed, you were hung. And this was something, some of the stuff, other things that they did. One of the main things that they did in this book was blow up a federal building in D.C. Now we're going to talk about this. Everybody's heard about Waco, right? Obviously. Waco uh, and, the, and the Branch Davidians who were held up for 51 days in their compound, in their home, and the uh, eventually after that, the FBI went in heaven-handed, heaven-handedly. They went in with tanks. They were, they were basically driving tanks around, crushing cars, and eventually they went in. They opened fire, and a lot of people passed. A lot of people were killed, murdered, children and everything. I think there was like 26 children um, that were basically murdered at Waco. Now, you also had Ruby Ridge, but Waco was, was like the final straw um, in regards to that. That caused a major problem, huge problem. I mean, the FBI was wrong also, okay? I mean, you obviously had people that they had a warrant and stuff like that, that but it was handled completely wrong. The fact that they went storming in was bad. It was a bad idea, and it actually changed how things were handled later on with the FBI. Because what had happened was, when they went in and they did that, it turned everyone against the FBI. Like, legitimately, it pushed, it created a vacuum of government haters. Every anti-right-wing militia group that was already hating, rather than kind of being at each other's throats, combined together and decided to kind of basically team up and work together and, re and, note and talk to each other. This book, The Turner Diaries, was being sold to make money to help support um, some of these right-wing extremist groups after, the wake, after that happened to Waco. Now, some of the changes that happened with, with the FBI is they said, look, we can't just... We can't go in there guns ablazing when this stuff type happens because when this when that happens, it turns everybody against us and forms a vacuum of, of people that are going to come together just to go against the government. So when you see things like Black Lives Matter smashing buildings, doing all this stuff, and the police just stood there, 
their answer is their answer was probably look if we go in there and just start shooting everybody on the streets this is going to become a very 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 bad situation and at that point we the u.s citizens outnumber law enforcement okay um when it came to the j the j6 event the buildup on the outside, I don't, I don't care what people think. It was not a field trip. It was, it, people were outside shaking fences, rioting, pushing police, attacking. And I understand, again, but eventually once Congress was cleared out, they let the people in. It was that mentality that let them in, let them get what they want, because at least at that point, things will die down. Everybody's out that needs to get out. It's like a dam, right? You, you don't just, when the rain starts coming and, and the water levels in the dam get higher and higher and higher and higher, you have to release the dam. You have to let the flow go because if not, it's more dangerous than not. So once they reach the point, they let people into the building. It wasn't that they, they, they were inviting them for, you know, just because they were right. They were releasing the dam outside the building that was starting to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And if it gone through the night into the next day, you don't know how bad that could have slowly progressed. So at that point, let them in and they let them flow in. This was a change in policy, I believe, with FBI and how they were, how we are handling events after Waco. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be like, and might not even listen to this video, but a lot of people be like, oh, that's, it's, it, you know, you're, that's crap. It's true. You can read the Department of Justice um, and, the, and the files, stuff that I was reading, that the FBI admitted where they went wrong, the policy had to change, and this was some of the stuff that happened. So after Waco, a lot of these groups got together on other compounds in other areas and basically started to organize and plot and plan and think about how they were going to get back for Waco. Now, one of the things that was in this book was, Bill, was bombing of a federal building with a truck bomb. This book was found with Timothy McVeigh. It was something he admitted he read. It was something that he sold to, to, to get money uh, for different groups that he was with, was the Turner Diaries. And the Turner Diaries basically explained what material to use, fertilizer, things like that, to put in a truck, to park a truck, because in the book, they parked it in a federal building outside of um, D.C., the federal building outside of D.C. Well, he did Oklahoma. And he did that on the two-year anniversary of Waco. And that was the, one of the events that basically kicked a lot of other stuff into, into overdrive. Um, you now saw a cult, basically, right-wing terrorism group without a leader that was going out on, on possible lone wolf attacks and ended up killing, I believe, 163 people. And this actually was in the Turner Diaries book. It was in here. How they basically did that. Now, I'm not going to, you guys, like I said, there's the book. You're welcome to read it and see what I'm talking about and verify this information. But it was in there. That's where a lot of this stuff was, um, is being looked at by FBI. Because what they're looking at is they're saying, okay, 
we now have some type of precedence in regards to what could possibly happen because the same the same patriot type groups they're using the same terms they have the same ideas they're pushing the same type of topics they're just adding to additional topics to that they're just adding to new versions of that with okay this time i'm not saying it was or it wasn't but the focal point is illegitimate presidency um in regards to the uh, elections and things like that I'm not saying they were were or weren't i'm just saying that that's the things that were pushed so this is where you start to see the patterns that rhyme with the beliefs that are still happening today. And I'm trying to find one specific story, and I thought I pulled it before. Did I move it? I said, not this one, not yet. What did you do with that file? Okay, it's this one. This is who wrote, um, I'm going to blow this way up, the Turner Diaries. Now, he was a college professor. Uh, so he was, he was smart. I mean, he was smart and he was a good writer and he was charismatic and, and was able to sway people um, because of his intelligence. But he, he was the one who actually wrote the Turner Diaries. Um, William L. Pierce ponders the question, did the underground classic Turner Diaries inspire the bombing of the federal building? Pierce's 17-year-old novel, A Bomb Made of Anolium... Aluminum nitrate fertilizer is packed into a delivery truck and detonated at 9.15 beneath the federal FBI headquarters in Washington, killing hundreds of people. This fictional account is stalkingly familiar to the blast in Oklahoma City. Last week, uh, the, uh, Oklahoma City last week, down to the type of bomb and time of day. Am I off? Uh oh, my camera freeze. Hang on. Hang on. Might add a camera freeze here. Or an OBS freeze. All right, hang on one second. Let me just go with OBS virtual cam. And let me go back and do it one more time. I think I just had a camera freeze. Sorry about that. Okay, I am back. So even down to the time of day that this happened was still in regards to the Turner Diaries. This is where, like, this all starts to go kind of forward where it's like, okay, what are the possible events that could happen on the same type of situation? Remember, this all started 
from a law and order, which I can actually pull. This was written in 1969, uh, and it basically says some of Wallace's platforms. He was a populist and, populist and said the little man's candidate. He was the little man's candidate. Uh, objecting to the way government steals from paychecks and frustrates legitimate earnings. Uh, he was said that the candidate for law and order. He was said the candidate of those who want to limit the power of the federal government to come into the states with financial programs and take over control of local institutions. He, he was, he said, the candidate who, may, who would stand for state authority against the attempts of the Supreme Court to alter state laws. He was, the, he said, the candidate who stood for the responsible spending, living within your means, and ending extravagance and waste. This was Wallace. From Wallace, you got uh, back, he got backed by the Liberty Lobby. From there, he got the National Youth Alliance. The National Alliance turned into a right-wing racist supreme uh, white supremacist group who eventually got together and blew up a federal building. All of this still being pushed, the same topics that they talk about today. They still talk about the same topics today. Government, uh, and this one also kind of glorifies, oh, hang on. Let me stretch this one. All right. I spent a chilly evening the other night reading the Turner Diaries, a fictional tale about a white supremacist takeover of the United States government that federal prosecutors say inspired the Oklahoma City bombing. Published in 1978, the novel took the form of a diary subsequently kept by a participant in the events it describes. Those events include the violent overthrow of the government sometime in the 1990s and its replacement by a white supremacist regime bent on purging the world of non-whites and Jews. By the end of the novel, the goal was, has been accomplished at a staggering cost. 200 million Americans, most of them white, are dead. Blacks, Latinos, and Asians have been murdered in en masse. Hundreds of thousands of whites are executed by the new government as race traitors. Uh, but most of the white deaths result from a nuclear war with the Soviet Union that the new regime deliberately provokes in addition to the American casualties. Tens of millions of Western Europe's and Russian perish, plus virtually the entire population of Asia, African, and Latin America. Okay. Uh, those who survive are reduced to a substance level, the new Aryan Republic forcibly relocates millions of people to the countryside in a weird reprise of the uh, Cambodian Kham Rogue's glorious agriculture revolution. Starvation and disease take their toll. Meanwhile, a vast ma areas of the globe are rendering inhabitable by nuclear, chemical, biological weapons. Civilizations averts to the Stone Age of existence. Sounds fantastic. Not really. But this is one of the things that was being used to promote this agenda. Now, I understand a lot of people are going to say, well, this is just a book, and nobody's, you know, who's, no, not everybody's going to fall for this type of stuff. Not everybody's going to be convinced that, you know, 
this is the way to go. And like I said, but that's that's not true. I, 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 I watch some of these events and some of these things that take place and I listen to some of these podcasts and I listen to some of these people that talk that are still spouting the Liberty Lobby's statements that they say. I mean, in regards to the government, in regards to money, in regards to tyranny, in regards to all this stuff from 1974. And if you ask them, where did you learn this? Like, where did you come up with this? The answer is, well, look it up yourself. I, I, look, I'm not the best speller. I, I have dysgraphia and, I, and it's very difficult for me to spell. And I used to have teach, I go to some teacher and say, hey, how do you spell this? And the teacher would be like, well, look it up. And I'd say, look it up where? Look it up in the dictionary. I'm like, what? What is wrong with you? Look it up in the dictionary. I can't spell the word. How do I look it up in the dictionary? You know, I'm still looking for the word pharmacy in the dictionary under F. I mean, when, when people say, well, you go look it up yourself, I didn't, that's not what I asked. My question is, where did, you, where did you think this information came from? Where do you think that this information that was put out there originated from? And if I were to tell them that the stuff that you're saying originated or was pushed immensely by white supremacist neo-Nazi groups, they wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have known. And that the George Wallace path in which that these groups took off was a lot like the Trump path. George Wallace stepped out and said, look, I, I, you can't win presidential runs anymore just by, by bringing up normal politician views. You can't bring up just the money and employment and this and this. Those are boring. Nobody wants to listen. Nobody cares. So he, rather than feed into, into that, he fed into the, the anger of the day, which was segregation, the change of the day. And that fed into this and, and pushed into things like Waco and then beyond Waco, actual events that took place. But I have actually asked people, what will happen if Trump doesn't come back? And I've had people say, I can't go on with life. That's scary. So you can't say that, the, that the, the words that are being said and the path that, that's being put out there, that people, you know, don't believe this stuff or they, you know, I'm saying this, but I don't expect them just like, you know, unfortunately, Chris Paul said. I'm saying go out and hunt rhinos, but I don't actually mean hunt rhinos. Well, what, you, that's what you said. And if you start to listen, if you start to listen to the people that are talking and the words that they're using, and, and the anger and the emotion that they're putting into it, you also start to hear it. So if I'm an FBI agent, if I'm somebody that wants to protect people, a good, let's say, pretend with me. Pretend with me that I'm a good FBI agent. I know very few of you think that there are any, but pretend with me. This is a hypothetical. And I have a reference that is legitimately rhyming with the references that I have today. They're going to use that to possibly see the potential that could be pushed because it's happened before. This isn't new. There's an actual events that happened. And unfortunately, some of the people that are out there are still using the same terms and talking about the same things that happened in 1968 that eventually turned into the Oklahoma City bombing. So 
Where do you go? Like if I were to ask any of you, ask any of you, what would happen if Trump just decided to say, I don't want to run. I'm done. I don't want to do it. And I'm going to step aside. And I thank you, everybody, for, for making me president, you know, getting me there once. Um, but for my own personal reasons, I just want to step aside and enjoy the rest of my, you know, enjoy the rest of my life rather than deal. What, what happens? What would you do? What chaos would ensue if that were to happen? I, I, all I'm saying is there are legitimate dots that connect a path that not puts not all of us. Do I think Trump's right? No. I, I, think, I think that Trump, I believe that he sparked into the anger and the frustration and the emotions of the time that he ran for president. And it wasn't segregation at the time, but it was tyranny. It was government corruption. It was high taxes. It was this. And he sparked those angers and those emotions and brought them into his campaign. And, some of, and it was the border. And it was these, these events that were bothering us, right? So he jumped on that. And somewhere down the road, you know, it, it, it happens. People let things run away and they say things that they can't take back. They shouldn't have said. And some of the stuff that he said, it got twisted. It got put out there and groups started to follow this path. And there are people out there that are putting out legitimately incorrect information. And they're sounding exactly like the Liberty Lobby. They're sounding exactly like the National Youth Alliance. They're saying the same talking points. Exactly the same talking points. And then they're wondering, as they repeat those talking points, why they're putting, being placed into the group of extremists. Because the talking points you are repeating are from groups that are extremists. The terms, the patriots, and everything else, those terms were, were used for that. So, well, like I said, I even heard CanCon today say that the FBI shouldn't be looking into them. What happens if we don't? What happens if you don't look into any of these people? And some of, not all of them think the same way I and CanCon does. Not all of them think the same way you might, anybody that's watching the show might be thinking. I'm, you know, I'm not going to storm. Nobody's going to convince me to break a window at the Capitol building. I don't care. It's not going to happen. I don't care if you're, it's, I, nobody's going to convince me to try to take out a governor of a state. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But some people were convinced. It doesn't matter who did it. I don't care. Nobody's going to convince me to do that. But people did that. Nobody's going to convince me to blow up a building. People did that. So you can't say that some people, and how many does it take before it becomes a serious problem? Right? How many does it take? How many Trump supporters are there? Some people tell me 320,000. I mean, yeah, 320 million. Uh, obviously, it's not that much, but let, let's say it's 5 million. What if 1% of the 5 million, 1% of 5 million decide? Yeah, it's something that you would want. We would, somebody's going to want there not to be an intelligence mistake. 
for the ball not to be dropped. Because there are people out there that would blow up buildings. And this was the path. These were the dots. Did I get frustrated? I did get frustrated. Because it basically showed me that, hey, there is a dangerous path here. There are people that are putting, spending, giving all their money to people that are saying that there's military tribunals in Gitmo and they're donating all of their money. What do you do? Because Gitmo doesn't know anything about it. You know, I watched some of this stuff and Hillary Clinton's been killed 17 times. I just showed a video of her. So I asked early on in my intro, know your foe, right? Know your foe. Well, your foe is you. Our true foes are us. When we vote for people rather than policies, when we don't know our own policies of our own mayors, city councilmen, school boards, governors, and we're yelling to get AOC out of office, when that's not even our district, there are people in, unfortunately, there are people in AOC's district that voted her in. And you want to get rid of her. Well, what about the people that wanted her in there? It's your, not your job to throw her out. You don't even live in New York. You know, the, poli you know the, the political parties and the politicians of everybody in Congress. Do me a favor. Answer me a question. Do you know the political policies of your own town, of your own mayor, of the school board that your kids go to school. Could you tell me that right now? Or do you just walk in there and vote R, 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 D, 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 D? I don't know what they mean. I don't know why they're, what they're about. Because if you don't even know what your own mayor's about, and, you, and you're, you're worried about all of this stuff, you got a bigger problem. We have to look at this and say, policies. What are the policies we don't want? What are the policies we do want? Where do we want to go with this? What are my local policies? What's going on in my school board? What's going on in my town halls? What's going on in my city? What's going on in my state? Which representative do I want to send from this state to go represent me in Washington? Chris Paul wants to hunt rhinos. Why? Because somebody else voted, could have voted to put that person in from their state, but he thinks he has the approval to go out and say, we got to hunt him down. You didn't put him in play. Why don't you worry about your own people in your own state? That's why you were the United States of America, not the United, not America of states, United States of America. So before you go out hunting down other rhinos, kind of focus on the, the people you put from your area, from your district, from your place, and their policies that you put in play. Because unfortunately, like it or not, for some odd reason, AOC got voted in by the people in her district. 
They have a right to have their beliefs and put her in play. They have that right. It's not my job in Maine to kick AOC out of her place. Because now we're not going to give them a voice that they want? Welcome to government. I don't want a dictatorship. I'll tell you that much. I do not want a dictatorship. But the path of others seems like there's a lot to do. So just know that the person, the enemy, is yourself. If you're going to know, if you're not going to listen to what your own people policies are, please don't just vote a person in. Please don't just pick this guy because he's this guy. Please vote based on policies, not people. That being said, I'm going to probably put this into a uh, recorded video because that way I can edit it and structure it better. And I, I, I enjoy doing the recorded videos better. So thanks for your anybody was here, but I'm going to go ahead and cut out. So, Sage out.